have your Bibles this morning, the book of 1 Kings is on our heart today. 1 Kings chapter number 21. 1 Kings chapter number 21. If you're visiting with us today, again, we're glad to have you. We welcome you to the house of the Lord. And we're going to preach a little thought God's laid on our heart this morning. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings 21, I'll ask you if you will please stand to your feet. We're going to begin reading in the 25th verse of this chapter. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as he did as did the Amorites whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass that when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. That's 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 25 through 29, if correctly read. I want to preach on this thought today and I'll pray. The majesty of mercy. Father, I ask this morning, Lord, that you might help us to preach. Use us this morning, Father, to be a spokesman from heaven. God, that we might declare the oracles, the precepts, the promises of the word of God. Lord, would you open our hearts? Would you allow us to hear this morning from heaven? We need your touch. We need your strength. We need your witness. We need your wisdom. Lord, would you have your hand upon all the young people and all these gathered today in the house of God and these who are tuning in online. God, would you help us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say... Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. Sometime back here at Bethel, we had 24 hours of prayer. Someone was in the altar for 24 straight hours. Uh, there was a time that we had folks in the altar and I was able to go back down through the pews and in this section right here, this, this middle section, about midways back, I was up underneath the pew there praying and I'm telling you, this is what I heard. Someone said mercy as, as passed by. And I honestly, I opened my eyes to look up. I seen nobody. I didn't see a shadow. I didn't see anything. It was just like the Lord spoke mercy to me. And I'm telling you, it spoke encouragement to my heart ever since. Now you may say, Preacher Darren, it was the air conditioner. Well, don't burst my bubble. I believe the Lord was speaking to my heart that very day. And the mercies of God constantly amazed me and they caused me to marvel. And may I just say time out long enough to say, thank God for mercy. Thank God for it. Now, we see in this, uh, these verses, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, very wicked people. They have led Israel to forsake the Lord God and to begin to serve idols, idols called Baal like bowing down to these golden things, these wooden things, and these 
marble statues and things made out of stone and they began to serve them. And it became the most woke thing to do to forsake God and to pursue idols. It just seemed like everybody, you know what everybody's doing nowadays? Everybody's bowing down for this idol. That's what they're doing. And so it just seemed like it was the popular thing to do in that day. And King Ahab looked out of his window one day and he saw this beautiful piece of property that had this vineyard on it. And the problem was, he wanted that vineyard, he wanted that property, but he didn't own it. So he went to the man, knocked on his door, he said, listen, Naboth, I'm the neighbor here, I'm King Ahab, by the way. Uh, How about you giving me your vineyard? Naboth said, no. The Lord forbid it that I would give it to you. He said, well, I'll tell you what, let me buy it from you. He said, it's not for sale. He said, well, I'll tell you what, let me trade you. I have other properties throughout the, all the kingdom. I've got something better for you than your vineyard. The devil will tell you he has something better than what God can do. But I'm telling you, the devil does not have anything better. The devil is a liar. He says, I've got something better. Naboth said, oh, no, friend, not going to happen. I'm not selling. I'm not trading it. I'm not going to give up what God has given to me already. And Naboth went back to the house. He was mad. He was sulking. He was pouting. Had his bottom lip out so far down on the ground he could step on it. His wife came in and she said, Ahab, darling, sweetie, what's wrong with you? He said, honey, I want you to know I wanted Naboth's vineyard and he wouldn't give it to me, wouldn't sell it to me, wouldn't trade it to me. I don't know what I'm going to do. She said, are you not the king? He said, I am the king. She said, well, I'll get it for you, sweetie. You just don't worry about it. She set up a false witness who lied about Naboth and they took him and stoned him to death and she came in with a deed to his property and gave it to the king and said, my lord, the king, sweetie, here's Naboth's property. It's all yours. And Ahab went to that vineyard and he said, oh, I'm going to tear these grapes down and I'm going to change these whites over uh, to herbs and, and I'm going I'm to put mustard plants there. And You know, the devil don't know what he's doing. He's always going to make a mess of somebody's life. And you never see him doing good things because he's just a liar. That's what he is. And they're just wicked. I'm telling you, for a while, Ahab and Jezebel thought they got away from him. But God sent the man of God, Elijah, down there to the palace and he came in and he pronounced judgment upon Ahab and upon Jezebel. And it was amazing what he said. Number one this morning, I want us to think in these verses about the mass of Ahab's rebellion. Look again in verse 25. Let's see how he was standing. The Bible says, there was none like unto Ahab. And what that means is there's nobody quite as wicked as Ahab is. No other king, no other family, no other man. He was the most sinful, wicked, ungodly man that there was in the nation of Israel. The Bible says in verse 25 that he did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Now for a while... Ahab thought he got away with it. But my Bible says you can be sure that your sins will find you out. You will not get away with what you're doing, living in sin, living in trespass, living in iniquity. You may say, well, I'm getting by so far. Honey, you just hang on to that thought. 
because that season's getting ready to change. There's never been one man, boy, one woman or girl that ever, ever got by with sin and you will not be the first one to skate by. Ahab, you've sold yourself to wickedness. Now, will you hear me? It's bad enough to be tempted to do wrong things and to do all you can to stand for right and sometimes still trying to stand for right, you err, you make mistakes, you sin, and you mess up. But that's not Ahab's story. It's not a battle of him trying to stand or not. The Bible says he sold himself. Have y'all ever sold anything? He sold himself. In other words, he said, I want evil to control me. I want sin to dominate my life. I am for sale. I will sell. I want to be controlled by wickedness. That's what a wicked character he was. And look in verse 25. Look how he was stirred up. The Bible says, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. As bad as he was, she stirred him up even further. She was a very wicked, ungodly woman. Now, I want to say this morning, thank God for a wonderful wife. I need more amens than that. Thank God for a wonderful wife who encourages me to do right, who encourages me to to do good, who is a help and encouragement to me. I know why some of y'all might not want to be hollering amen right there. Your wife should have got mad at you too. Amen, ladies? Amen, ladies? Now, let's just talk for a second. This woman stirred her husband up to do evil. I got a verse of Scripture. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, verse 13, the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Like rain falling down. If that woman stirs up strife and contention, She's always, always going to point out fault and bringing people to judgment and put people down, especially her husband, and discourage him. She's always a fault-finding, criticizing, wicked woman. And it's a continual dropping. I want to say this morning, thank God for a good wife. You young boys, y'all listen to me. You need to find yourself a good woman that will encourage you to righteousness, that will serve God with you, And you girls, you need to find yourself a good husband. Let God bring him to you that'll serve God alongside you. That's stirred up to do evil. Now look with me in verse 26. He did very abominably in following idols. Now the word abominably, that brings to mind the word abomination. That word means a stench. You know what that is? A stink, a stinking. You know, like some of that stinky trash y'all get a hold of. Garbage. And you turn your face away from it when you carry it to get rid of it. And you can't wait to get it to the the garbage dump and get away with that stuff. God said that the abomination of Jezebel and of Ahab were a stench in the nostrils of Almighty God. I wonder what God says about America. I wonder what God says about our states. I wonder what God says about our communities and our cities in which we live. Do you think God is pleased and God is proud of the way we're living? Or as God says, this is a stench. 
Let me, let me read to you out of the book of Ephesians. Uh, the Bible says that, that Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. And when he gave his life there, the Bible says his offering was a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. When God smelled the savor of Calvary, he said, what a pleasant aroma. Imagine, here's a man being bludgeoned, beaten to death, bloodied and bruised. Here's a man that's laying down his life for his friends. Here's a man that's laying down his life for my sins and for yours. One time I was going to preach about the rose. And I went down to Ingalls and I got some roses. And that was on a Sunday morning. I shouldn't have been shopping on Sunday morning. But I went in there, had my tie on, and, and the lady rang that up and she said, Why are you, are you taking flowers to your wife at church? I said, Well, I wish I was, but I'm going to preach on these. She said, What? You're preaching on flowers? I said, I am. She said, what do you aim to do? I said, I'm going to take these roses and I'm going to rip all the petals off of them and I'm going to beat them and I'm going to stomp them and I'm going to smother them all over the floor. She said, I'd like to go see that. Why are you going to do that? I'm going to say that Jesus is the rose of Sharon. He laid down his life. He was beaten. He was bludgeoned. He was stripped of his garment. He shed his life that we might be saved. And while I was preaching that message, and I got to stomping on these roses, I wasn't prepared for what happened. There was an aroma, a, a smell that came up from, and it was so pleasant. What I was trying to do was so cruel and so evil and so wicked, but yet in it there was the love that just flowed up was such a precious aroma. And I went and got another rose and said, but heaven's rose on the first day of the week he bloomed again. He's still alive today. And I thank God for that. I want my life to be a pleasing smell, a pleasant aroma to the Lord my God. But for Ahab and Jezebel, and yet I believe for every sinner that lives in sin, there's a stench in the nostril of Almighty God of our stinky old sins, the garbage can of sinfulness. Now, I think, second of all, in this text, I see the marvel of Ahab's reasoning. Now think with me for a second. Here's Ahab who's heard about God and heard about God and heard about God and has rejected, 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 rejected God. He would not accept the Lord. Now look with me in verse number 20 of this chapter. I didn't read it, but you got to see it. When Elijah comes to talk to Ahab, look what Ahab said. Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? Did you see what he said? He, he called the man of God his enemy. Have you found me? Have you been looking for me? Let me tell you something. I remember the night the Lord found me. Can I get a witness? I was lost and in need of salvation. I was in a terrible shape and he found me. And I thought, oh, that conviction. Oh, my heart flying out of my chest. Oh, he's going to kill me. Oh, he's going to send me to hell. Oh, he's rejected me. Oh, I have no hope. Oh, that's what I thought. Look what Elijah said to him. He said, I have found thee because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. You can read verses 21 through 24 about the judgment that God's pronounced. He says, I'm going to take away all your future generations. I'm going to kill your queen and the dogs are going to eat her flesh and they're going to lick her blood 
And the same thing's going to happen to you too, buddy. And Elijah is pronouncing this judgment upon Ahab, upon his wife, and upon his children, and upon his people. Here's a man who'd rejected God time and time and time again. Will you look with me in verse 27? And it came to pass when Ahab heard these words. Jesus, what? He heard these words? that he rent his clothes. This time, Ahab listened. I had sat in church my whole life. I'd gone through religion and gone through church, but the day the Holy Ghost got a hold of me and told me I was lost, let me tell you something, I heard him. I listened to what he had to say about judgment, about me going to hell. The soul that sinneth, it shall die, die and go to hell. Man, the Lord got a hold of me. I heard, listen to this. You know why God sends you his word? Do you know why God sends you a preacher to tell you what the word says? Because he loves you. That's why Jesus died on that cross is because he loves you. He took such, he took such beatings, such shame, suffering and sorrow he experienced because he loved I'm getting tore up because he loves me and because he loves you. Nobody's ever loved me like Jesus Christ. And I praise him for that this morning. And when Ahab starts hearing about uh, the word of God that's come to him and how God loves him, but how he's rejected and rejected and rejected God. Now judgment's coming and Ahab listens. And the Bible says that Ahab does something. He rents his clothes. That, that's just to take his garments and he just, I, I don't want to tear this suit up, but he just ripped the buttons off his priest, off his kingly robe. And, and man, he just stripped himself. And the Bible, listen, that rending of the garments on the outside is an outward expression of what's going on in the heart. Here's what he's saying. He said, God, I'm so sick of sin. God, I'm so sick of the way I've been living. God, I'm so, that's what he's saying. It's an outward expression of an inner contrition. And the Bible says that then he put sackcloth upon his flesh. He is the king. Most time you see our president, he's in a suit with a tie. He always looks so nice. Imagine him stripping himself down, getting on his face before God, throwing an old guns, gunny sack, sackcloth on top of himself and said, oh God, would you help us? Oh, I bet CNN would report that. They'd think he'd lost his mind. I bet Fox News would report it. I bet you'd see it on ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS. You'd see it on every news outlet that there is. Here's the king of Israel. Bowed down, rent his kingly garment, put sackcloth. He's afflicting his flesh. And the Bible said he fasted. He wouldn't eat a thing. He didn't have one of them royal steaks. He didn't get one of them cat head biscuits. He didn't get him a big old glass of buttermilk, honey. He afflicted his flesh and he ate nothing. And I believe he laid himself out before God. And then, watch this. When the man of God has preached to him and he's, he's reasoning all these things in his mind, verse 27, end of the verse, three words. What's the last three words of verse 27? And went softly. What does that mean? 
he went so walking on the carpet, walking softly. What do you think? Think that's what it means? Some of you young people, I'm going to tell you what it means. You ever had your mama give you a lecture about what you did was wrong? Ever had your mama just love you more than anybody else and get well acquainted with the bottom side of your posterior? Give you a spank. Ever had your daddy pull off the belt, go out there to the, to the, to the cherry orchard or the apple grove and get one of them sticks and man, I'm taking all the little, the other little limbs off it, whoop, 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 and you're just dancing, there they come. You ever had one of them? Oh no, preacher. My mom and daddy would never treat me as such. Maybe that's what's wrong with you. Your mama don't love you. And your daddy don't love you. My mama and daddy like to love me to death. Best thing ever happened to me. And after we got switched or belted or whipped or lectured, we was careful to go softly. You know what I'm saying? We didn't, we didn't knock water bottles off things. We didn't say, I'm stopping my feet. We didn't say, I'm had it with my mama. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my room. I'm sick of this mess. I hope that opens. He wasn't slamming doors, stomping his feet. Kicking things, yelling at the dog, screaming, sticking his tongue out behind, uh, around the corner at his mama. He went softly. You know why? He feared God. I feared my daddy. I feared my mama too. Don't, you don't have to tell her, but I'm 56 years old and I'm still afraid of him. Amen. Amen. He went softly. Do you see his reasoning? He feared God. He knew what the man of God had said about his life was true. Thirdly, I see the measure of Ahab's response. Now the Bible does not say that Ahab apologized to Naboth's family. The Bible does not say that Ahab restored the land, the vineyard to Naboth's family. The Bible does not say that Ahab went back to Jezebel and rebuked her and said, you foul woman, you've got me in trouble. You need to wise up and get right with God. He didn't rebuke her. The Bible does not say that he said, let's call for a national day of prayer to the Lord God in heaven. He did not pronounce that Baal was a false deity. He didn't. All he did was humble himself. I don't even see him saying, God, forgive me. I don't see it there. But the Bible does say, and verse 29, look at it. God speaking. Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? So I want to say that there's a measured response. Ahab did not fully get right with God though he sort of somehow hem-hauled around and humbled himself. Do y'all, do y'all agree? Number four, and I'm done. There is the mercy in God's reprieve. Although we do not necessarily think that Ahab did all that he needed to do to fully repent, he did humble himself. And may I say this morning, God 
wants to start with someone humbling themselves. You see, God sets great store by his mercy. Micah writing in the scripture says that God delighteth in mercy. God delights in those who are willing to humble themselves and say, I've done wrong. And God, you are right. God delights in that. Now remember when I said in my uh, room with the ordination council, uh, they asked me, uh, brother, they asked me why the tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. They asked me what was grace, what was mercy, how many books was in the Bible. I mean, it was unbelievable what they asked me. One of the questions they asked was define mercy. You boys would do well to know what mercy is. Mercy is the withholding of deserved punishment. Mercy is us not getting what we deserve. A poor illustration, if you leave here today and you're doing 65 in a 55 and a blue light pulls up behind you, woo, and pulls you over to the side of the road and says, good to meet you, may I have your driver's license, you're getting ready to get a ticket in that you broke the law and you deserve judgment. If that trooper or that officer of the law comes back and says, you know what, this is your day. I'm going to let you go. With a warning, but I'm going to let you go. That would be mercy in that I did not get the ticket that I deserved. Can I tell you what I deserve? I deserve to go to hell. There's another one sent me too. Anybody else? I'm a sinner. Dead in trespassing and sins. No good have I ever done. I need my sins to be forgiven. And Jesus died on the cross in my place. Shed his blood that my sins might be put under the blood and might be atoned for and might be forgiven. And in mercy, in mercy the Lord says, I'm willing to forgive you and let you escape deserved punishment. Did you know that 41 times, 41 times in the Bible, it says his mercy endureth forever. 41 times. 26 times in one psalm, Psalm 136, 26 times God's mercy endureth forever. God shows mercy to everyone that will fear him. Abraham feared God, or Ahab feared God, Ahab humbled himself, and God showed him mercy. What was his mercy? God said, I won't bring this judgment in your day. I'm going to give you a reprieve. It's going to pass from this generation to the next generation. It's not going away. It's just going to be a reprieve for a little while. In other words, Ahab, you repented or you uh, responded a little, so I'm going to respond a little. Ahab, if you had responded all the way, I would have responded all the way. So I got to thinking, if Ahab's little response drew a reprieve for a whole generation, what would God do if one young boy or one young girl would say, God, would you forgive me? and save me, he wouldn't just give you a reprieve for a little while, he would give you a regeneration. He would give you a brand new life. He would
and forgive you and let you go to heaven. Well, I got excited right there. That thrilled my soul. David said, I love the Lord because he hath inclined his ear unto my voice and my supplications. God saves the truly repentant for all of eternity. You know what our nation needs? Our nation needs the mercy of God. If our nation would humble itself, if our state would humble itself, if our county would humble itself, if our community would humble itself, if our church would humble themselves, if you, daddy, if you, mama, if you, young person, would humble yourself before God, God would send reprieve. Yea, God would send regeneration to your family. That means I'm sick of what I've done, God. I messed up, God. I just need you to forgive me and save me and let me go to heaven. He still says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If I were to send invitations, say I was going to have a party, and I send invitations out, of course, in a few weeks when the event takes place, the people will knock on my door that I invited. If I send an invitation, I should not be surprised when those I invited show up. Y'all agree? Stay with me here. In life, every choice and every decision you make is an invitation. Right? And don't be surprised then if some of those bad choices and those bad decisions show up in a few weeks, months, or years in your life. Now, let's go back to my original story. I'm still on invitations. Let's ask the invitations and we're waiting for the event to take place. And something changes, right? There's, there's been some situation change. And now the, some of the people that come, I'm not comfortable with. Something changed and I'm not really happy they're there. Ooh, I wish I'd never invited them. Y'all have never done that, but. But I, I have invited them. And I can't get rid of them. I can't say, no, you're not welcome. Go away. They're here. I've invited them. I can't stop them. Are y'all okay with that? Some of y'all have done that, haven't you? It's so quiet in here because some of y'all have invited people to stuff and they showed up and you're like, I wish they wouldn't have showed up. <laughs> so so ooh, I had a thought. So if my bad choices and my bad decisions have invited some guests that I don't want. The only thing I can do to stop them from coming is to invite other people. So what I'm going to do is, these people that I'm now uncomfortable with, I'm going to invite more people to come so the people that I am comfortable with will mitigate the circumstances of those I'm uncomfortable with. So if in life, I've made some bad decisions and I've sent out some bad invitations. 
and those guests are going to show up. The best thing I can do is to invite my friend Mercy. Mercy, will you come down? Mercy, will you visit me because I've made some really bad mistakes. I've done some really horrible things and I'm afraid, I'm afraid it's going to show up in my children's life. Are you hearing me, Mama? I'm afraid it's going to show up in my grandchildren's life. Are you hearing me, Grandma? I'm afraid it's going to show up on my job. It's going to, I'm telling you, you would be wise to invite mercy to your event. And God will mitigate the circumstances of the unwelcome guests that you have already invited. You stand to your feet. I'm thinking about the majesty of his mercy. There's somebody here today under the sound of my voice. You need to walk down this aisle and say, Oh God, I have done some things. I have said some things. I've been a part of some things, God, I am most ashamed of. And like old Ahab, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to rent my garments spiritually, Lord. I'm going to get down and I'm going to say, God, will you forgive me? God, will you remember mercy? God, will you send mercy into my vent to change my circumstances? Will you be honest with God? Folks are moving. Will you come this morning? Is there anybody else? Right now while we pray, Preacher Darren, I need mercy this morning. I need it in my family. I need it for my children. I need it for my, for my, for my loved ones this morning. Folks still coming. I need mercy, preacher. I need mercy so bad. I'm inviting mercy. Mercy, will you come into my life? Mercy, I welcome you. Mercy, show up at my event. Folks still coming. You mind him this morning. You mind him. Father, I thank you for your goodness. And I praise you for your mercy. And God, I ask your blessing today upon all these that bow to pray. God, I am one of them. God, I humble myself before the King of glory. And I tell you, sir, that I am undeserving and I am unworthy of the least of thy tender mercies. But God, would you forgive me of what I've become, what I've said, done, how I've acted, how I've reacted. God, please forgive me of my sin. And God, I believe you'll have mercy upon all those who come to you. The Bible says you will in no wise cast them out. Lord, I seek your face. I ask your blessing, God. Will you mitigate the circumstances? You gave a reprieve to Ahab for his generation. God, would you do that and more for America? God, would you do that and more for our churches? God, would you do that and more? Lord, if you want to come, come. Whatever you need to do, do. Lord, I could never stand in your way. But today, God, we need your help. Would you touch us? Would you refresh us? Would you restore us? In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen and amen.